0: Improve it, Papes. All right. We are back with part two of this episode with Michael Galensky, all about the mind-body connection, healing back pain, unprocessing or processing unprocessed emotions. And I thought that this episode, again, needed two parts because it's so important. We're talking about a lot of stuff today, and I just want to set up this caveat that Some of this might be triggering for some people. So just understand that we are talking about childhood and trauma and unprocessed emotions in our bodies. So listen in a safe space and know that this book is a part of a self-healing journey. This film is a part of a self-healing journey and that today's guest is again, a part two of an episode that came out last week. So if you haven't listened to part one, make sure to do so. There's also some language in today's episode. So if you're with the kiddos, put some earmuffs on. Now, we talked a lot about in this very first episode, Michael, how the film got made, Dr. Sarno, but I wanted to really hone in on Sarno himself before we dive in because Dr. Sarno came to understand this problem and predicted the epidemic of chronic pain beginning in the 1970s. Now, when he compared his patients' charts, he found that more than 80% of patients had a history of at least two other psychosomatic illnesses, like ulcers, migraines, eczema, or colitis, and he thought that the stresses of life might be causing the pain. When he talked to his patients further, he found that most of them were perfectionists who put themselves under unreasonable amounts of unconscious pressure to be perfect and good. Ding, da-da-ding, ding, 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 here she is. So I want you to really listen to today's show because I know a lot of us resonate with that. We are lifelong learners. We care about our people, sometimes putting the needs of them before ourselves. We want to show up in the best way possible, put our best foot forward, constantly be learning. So just know that that was a lot of Sarno's work was that underlying issue. He found that a lot of overachievers tend to drive themselves to have chronic pain through this disassociation of unprocessed emotions. So When Sarno suggested to his patients that they make the connection between their emotions, including their tendencies to put themselves under extreme pressure and their pain, they rapidly improved. His visionary insights revealed that the unconscious mind was activating the automatic nervous system and that the repression of unconscious rage was a major contributor to pain. Over the course of his 50-plus years in practice, he developed and adapted his treatment into four best-selling books, which have been translated into over 30 languages. Again, Michael Golensky was a patient of Sarno. His father was a patient of Sarno. And Michael got to interact with Sarno quite intimately as they created this film, I can't wait for you to hear part two. Let's just dive right on in and get to improving it with Michael Galinsky, the amazing, brilliant mind behind the documentary, All the Rage. Are you a leader searching for new and innovative ways to drive employee engagement and team morale through the roof? Do you want to create a company culture where everyone feels seen, heard, and valued? Hi, I'm Erin Deal, business improv edutainer, Philfluencer, and professional Zombie who is ready to help you improve your it. Your it being the thing that makes you, you. Think of me as your keeping it real professional development bestie who is here to help you learn from your failures, stand tall in your power, and improve yourself so you can improve the lives of others. Oh, and did I mention that we are improving your it through play? That's right. I am an improvisational comedy expert who uses experiential learning to help you have your aha aha, aha moments. Those are the moments when the light bulb goes off and you're laughing at the same time. So grab your chicken hat, your notebook, and your inner child, because I'm going to take you on a journey that is both fun and transformative. Welcome to the Improve It Podcast. I want to make sure we tell our audience, too, just about TMS and just how you can heal through identifying these psychological factors without drugs, without surgery, without exercise. And part of this what I found really fascinating, and this is where I think a lot of people will resonate, is that we talk, he talks, Sarno talks, a lot about how it's a lot of self-motivated and successful people are prone to TMS. And you were talking, you got the house, you had the kid, you had this successful career, you had all these things going, and that's when you had the flare up of back pain. Can you just talk a little bit about the psychological aspect of the perfectionist, the overachiever and how it relates to TMS. And if you identified with that as well.
1: Absolutely. So when, when you read Dr. Sarno, what you find out is that he, so he was dealing with back pain and he was, had been taught all the standard care stuff like um, physical therapy, bed rest, traction. That's what they were doing. And none of it was really working, so he went to look at the data to see if there was any that supported it, and there was none. It was just what people had been taught, and it was, standard. It, it was it's standard just what people did, and it, there was no data to say that it worked, and he saw that it didn't. So then he looked at his patient's charts, and he found that 80% of them had a history of other psychosomatic issues, right? Like migraines, colitis, other stomach issues, skin issues, things like that that had previously been discussed as being stress-related, ulcers, right? Yeah. Um, so then he went and he started talking to his patients more, right? Like we were saying at the very beginning of this, what's the first thing you should ask? What's going on in your life? That's what he started to ask. And he found that almost all of them would bring up something that was incredibly stressful, but would immediately dismiss it. So, you know, what's going on in your life? Do you have any stresses? Well, I mean, my, my mother in law lives with us and it's, it's really wonderful because she watches the kids. She makes dinner sometimes. Yeah, but that must be really hard, right? To like not have your own. Space. Well, it is a little, and then finally getting him to admit that, yeah, it's really enraging. Wow. Well, I think that's the source of your back pain because you're living in a situation that causes you constant rage, but you have no way to deal with it. Oh, wow. Okay. And then they would get better.
0: Yeah. They didn't
1: have to do anything except recognize. That was, you know, at the beginning of his practice, he found that happened a lot. And he started to have incredible success just getting people to reorient. Then he actually found that people were getting stuck. And so he would send them to a therapist. And that would, he, he had therapists who understood what was going on that he worked closely with. And then he realized, you know what? People need to be able to talk about this. And he developed the journaling process. And then he's had small group meetings. And then he had success panels. So he's building all these tools that people could use. But the guy's doing it in a dark cave by himself with no colleagues to bounce any ideas off. So he was ha- struggling in the same way. like He was in a completely enraging environment for 40 years but having to do it all by himself yeah but even that gave him insight because he he would often have psychosomatic issues and he would have to go sit and think oh it was that meeting and then that issue would go away right and so he just kind of insulated himself and just you know and even in that because the culture wasn't ready what's exciting now right is there are so many other doctors like dr clark who wrote, uh, that's another book I found right when we started the movie. So we started the movie, there was nobody doing any of this. And there was no, none of this was happening, right? There was no awareness. And, you know, then you have someone do the ACE study, right? That was started in 91. I think it came out in 99. And it wasn't until about 2010 that anybody started to pay attention to it. And the ACE study is the Adverse Childhood um, Experience Study, In which they, I think they had 184,000 patients, they asked 10 questions about possible adverse childhood events, which would mean like a divorce, single parenting, a drug addicted parent, other, uh, all kinds of different, like a, a, a parent dying when you're young. If you had four or more adverse childhood effects, you died 20 years earlier. You had like 150% more chance of getting, that's that's an exaggeration, but it, like wildly more high chances of getting um, heart disease and cancer. So, but it took a, and, and you had such a huge broad swath of people that it made it clear that these adverse effects affect everybody and they may manifest in different ways. So that's the beginning of trauma informed awareness, right? And there were people who understood this, but that's the science that started to show it. But it took years and years and years for that, that to move through the field. Now, it's, it's general, there's a general awareness that trauma affects us. We talk about trauma-informed all the time. That word was not in use when we first made the movie, which was now six, or six years ago, almost seven years ago that we put out the movie. So, yeah, it's almost seven years. So it's like in that time, awareness has risen. And so actually I'm finding even more that the movie connects with people because there's less resistance, it makes sense. Just like you know, you said it's like the um reading the book, then watching the movie is the perfect combination. Because you read the book and people read the book and say, well, it makes sense, but it's not really doing it. Then the film kind of helps you, sometimes forces you to have an emotional experience. And that emotional experience is really an awareness. I, I know I'm just on this train, but I'll tell you one other thing. Like yeah. when I go and show the movie, and like I did a lot of touring with the movie at first. Every screening, someone comes up and says, and literally, it's word for word, I don't mean to bother you. And I go, oh, no, it, it's fine. And by the way, I feel it. it's right here. Because you pay attention and you become kind of more, you're like, it's all stuck right here. And they're
0: like, yeah, oh. and then they start crying. And, but oh, just, oh, I could cry. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we're, not permission.
1: we're not, we're not yeah. permission to be emotional in public. Yes. But so they had this emotional experience in the movie and it stuck and they just were like, I, I, I don't understand it. I'm like, no, no, I, I'm aware of it. It's right here, right? And they're like, "Yeah, it, it's okay to feel that. In fact, you kind of need to. And they may, sometimes they can't, but I'm like, it's here. I see it. We we have this awareness. Go home. You'll deal with yeah. it. Yeah.
0: And you're pointing yeah. to your heart for those of you who aren't, who aren't well, yeah. we're not having a video. You're pointing to your yeah. heart. And that's, that is like, that right there, that permission, that word, I love that word so much. And I'm I'm reading Into the Wilderness right now by Bre- Brene Brown. I like, you know, all these self-journey books. Um, and she talks about giving herself permission slips. And I feel like that is really what you're giving is yourself a permission slip to dive into the things that you've disassociated yourself from through work, through perfectionism, through... Whatever it may be, it looks different for every person. Right, feel. but that's
1: because you were punished for it.
0: Yes, yes.
1: You know, and and again, it's there's no there's no value in blaming our parents for that because we have to remember, right? Our parents, when I were talking about that trauma of World War One and World War Two, at least for me, my generation, that was my parents. Yeah, right. They like my, my father. Family, his parents came over from Lithuania in 1908, and in and I only after his death researched this. But there was in 42, there was the countless prog- pogrom in Lithuania where every Jew was killed by their neighbors. The Germans marched in, they handed out axes and shovels, and they said, "You know, if you kill your neighbor, you can have their house." And that's what happened. And you know, my dad never talked about any of this. I don't know it, but I look back and I'm like, oh, obviously that word came back when he was about eight years old. And there must've been so much trauma in that household. His parents also came over as traumatized people as eight-year-olds fleeing pogroms then, right? Sure. Like, you know, and, and then he wanted to be, he was a psychologist, right? My mom was a social worker. Um, But they never really dealt with their own shit, right? So, yeah. and, and that made me even more cynical because here are these people saying that this is what they deal with. And they were, they would, they were really inappropriate in a lot of ways, right? And they weren't, um, they had some difficulty with being present and loving in a way that children need. And yet, I... they awesome parents. And I'm, that's not to say they're terrible people. It's more that awareness, like, oh, well, that's where that comes from. And it, 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 this gets even more interesting because when my wife and I, actually, at the time I, I had the back problems the first time, we also had a dog who was difficult, a, a, a Pitbull Rottweiler Chalmix. who was an awesome dog, but he was also difficult, right? We just got a puppy, Pitbull Rottweiler. And and I had no intention. I was like, my kids are about grown. I don't want a dog. My kids were wanting a dog. No. Then I saw a woman holding this puppy, and I was like, oh my god, that puppy's so cute. And she's like, oh well, you can have it. I was like, no, I can't. And it was impossible because I held the dog for a half an hour, and I said, there's no way I was not having that dog, right? Oh my god. But then I got this. Uh, I, I so I posted, I'm gonna have this dog, and a friend of mine who I didn't actually really know, just a Facebook friend, was like, hey, I'm a dog trainer. If you need some advice, and I was like, do. And so he sent me down the path of positive dog training. No punishment, because the punishment does not help. You ignore the things that you don't want to happen, and you heavily reward the things that you do. And you have a happy, settled dog. Yep. Who knows what is expected, but doesn't get punished for what's not expected. Yep. It's crazy, because even this process is helping me to continue to be a better parent. To be more aware of just like how the energy, like you may not, this is the thing, right? We think of punishment as um, like I'm yelling at you, but punishment can also be a quiet and contained rage. Like your behavior is unacceptable. And, and, and that withholding of, so there is this issue of you to ignore it, but like when you actively ignore as a parent, silent treatment stuff, things like that, because you're not doing the right thing, it's really painful for the children. Again, we didn't know it. Can't blame people, but you can't ask people to remember it or now own that and continue to to self heal even as seventy year olds. Yes. To be able to go, oh, yeah, you're right. Like I hear you're not blaming me, but I can see. And actually, if you try to talk to your parent now and you do it as a gift, right? I'm not blaming you, but I'm aware of this and I've learned from it. It may help you. They may not listen, but it may help.
0: I love that so much, and I think that. A lot of the behavioral things that you're talking about, they show up as parents, they show up as leaders, they show up as team members, they show up in so many different ways. And I feel like the positive reward, the rewarding, the good behavior, I'm a parent who have a three-year-old right now, like I'm doing the exact same things that you were doing with the dog training and it's actually working. And I feel like I respond well to it. Hey, improve it peep I wanted to interrupt your learning really quick to thank you for turning into this show now each week myself and the entire Improve It team are working tirelessly to give you the content you deserve to help you use play to become your best self personally and professionally now if you wanted to return the thank you that's okay you don't have to but if you did would you leave us a five-star review on iTunes? It takes two minutes to leave five stars and maybe a comment or two on how this show has impacted you. Just scroll to the bottom of this show on iTunes and you'll see the opportunity to leave five stars. Now, once you do that, please send a screenshot, take a screenshot from your phone and email it to info at learn to it.com. That is info at learn to improve it.com. This way, we know it's from you. We will be drawing one name per month to send an improve it podcast care package to this care package is the base needs. It will include branded goodies from the show, some of our favorite books and products from previous guests and a few more surprises. So thank you for the opportunity to tell you thank you. And if you want to thank me by leaving a review, then I will say thank you by potentially sending you a care package that shows our full appreciation. So thank you for thanking me and we thank, you will really like the goodies in the care package. Okay, back to improving it, thanks. What I love that you said in that was that giving that gift, if you've had challenging conversations with a parent or a teammate or a coworker saying, you know, I'm aware of this. I'm not blaming you. That language is so fantastic. I'm aware of this. I'm not blaming you. And here's how I'm moving forward. I think for so many of us, that could be a really awesome, tangible thing to do when we feel unprocessed emotions come up that we've buried deep inside us and we have those aha moments of well that's why I'm feeling this way and perhaps that's why this is causing me physical pain i can understand them i can forgive that person forgive myself most importantly
1: it's easy to hear that and go oh that should be simple but it's not it's and not. so all of that is even when you bring it up say with your parent right like this is something i want to address with you and i'm I'm working really hard not to blame you, but I can tell that I'm feeling angry. So please, you know, be aware that I'm aware of it and I'm really trying not to do that because, you know, this is an uncomfortable thing. Because then we sometimes put the pressure on ourselves to do it perfectly. But if we can acknowledge that we're not going to do it perfectly and that that might inspire them to kind of inadvertently react Right, it's a long process. There's a, there's that holistic psychologist on Instagram. Oh,
0: I love her, Nicola right. Para. Yeah,
1: right, Nicola Para, and that all of that advice is incredibly useful.
0: Yes. every time
1: it's always useful, and yet it's still difficult. Yes, and so yeah, I, I think that's a really great if if anybody's working on this stuff to just follow that because it's really well laid out and um you know, but it's also very personal to her as well. So yes, the stuff is personal. So sometimes maybe it's it's not going to really fully apply to us, but that's her being her personal journey, which is a little bit naked, but it crosses into that weird space where it's, oh, it's the expert, but it's also personal. And those are hard. So we also have to be able to not fall into whatever thing it is. Like So some people, for instance, like Dr. Sarno, we'll go back to what we're saying. His diagnosis was called TMS or tension myositis syndrome. And now people will call it the mind-body syndrome use that same terminology and the problem is with anything is people can become very like pedantic and very stuck in these ideas now you have to do it this way but really so the the first line of our film is the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves shape our sense of who we are and that's foundational if we realize that we're telling ourselves a story about ourselves now some of that story is literally written in our genes so it's a story that's feels so profoundly us but that story is a self-protective story it's written in our genes because our genes are filled with trauma and trauma tells us behave in a certain way to stay safe and sometimes that safety isn't actually safe it protects us in the same way that you know being in a little uh, den protects us but in that little den we don't have resources if nobody's bringing resources and we have waste and we're going to leave in the den if we can't leave the den. So we want the protective space at times, but we don't want to stay stuck in that protective space. And and the reason I'm bringing this up is TMS, that was a way of kind of illuminating these ideas, but we don't want to stay stuck in them. The last line of the film is when Dr. Sarna is leaving his office. He says, it all comes down to one simple idea. The mind and the body are intimately related. That's it.
0: That's That's the whole
1: story. The problem we face is, in modern 20th century, now 21st century culture, we have divorced those two things and said they aren't connected and it can't be causing your physical illness. Your thoughts can't cause you illness. It's just not true. Now that doesn't mean that your thoughts are the only thing and there's nothing physical going on. But if we don't understand how the story we're telling ourselves about ourselves shape our body, we're, we're screwed.
0: Yes. Oh my God. Michael, see, this is your, and that's why we need storytelling to lay this out for us because you can read a book and you can have your own picture. And the picture that you painted for us is so perfect from start to finish. I'm so freaking thrilled that this film exists. I'm so thrilled that you took your own journey, that you brought us into it, that you shared it. It feels naked, like you said. And I'm sure that you hear from so many people that you've changed many lives because of it. You came on this show today and you're hopefully going to change more lives from people all over the world. Let me ask you this. We always say, is the last question on this show, Improve It is the name of our podcast, name of our company. The It is your purpose. It's the thing that you're meant to do. It's the thing that you're put on the earth to bring. What is Michael's It?
1: It's complicated, right? I have a drive to want to help people. And that can be frustrating if people don't want to be helped. So part of the, the thing, the, the first question people ask at the end of the movie, how are you now? Are you healed? And I said, I, I am in a large degree, but we all have this same incurable disease. And it's called being human, right? Yeah. There is no cure for being human. We, you know what? It is going to kill us in the end, Right. We are human beings and we are going to die. And it's it's interesting, No right? truer
0: word spoken right there. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I'm actually, I'm doing a little struggling with that right now. I'm, I turned 54 in a couple of weeks and, you know, my mom died a few years ago and, you know, I'm just more aware of my own mortality and that in itself is stressful. So I'm having to process that. But the point of that, me bringing that up is we're all human is when we know you have the disease of humans you can begin to treat that disease right and you want you can be healthier and the way you do that is you continue to grow so like when people say are you healed like no i mean yes and no right like i don't have the same problems that i did then but new problems arise and if we if we stay in this kind of getting to some destination then we're we're ne- you know you're going to always feel like you're failing Because you can't reach that destination. Or you may reach that destination and say, I don't have to work at this anymore. And then it will bite you in the ass again. So the idea is just to be able to stay aware and, and to constantly grow. And it's like interesting. In some ways, I'm like, God, I wish I could make that movie now because I know so much more now. But that movie was in that time and place. And maybe there's another movie to follow.
0: Yeah, make another one. Yes. Yeah, it's hard.
1: I mean, actually, I am starting another one. And it's connected to what I was saying about genes, right? Like this stuff is written in our genes. So we can kind of blame our parents for their behaviors, but they were behaving the way they were because it was in their genes and because they were not brought up in very healthy environments as well. But those genes are really profound. So when I got out of college, I was a bike messenger. I worked for this animal rights guy. I did some production assistance and I was a sperm donor. And when I had two kids, I went into the hair salon on the corner and the woman there was like, you got to go for your boy. And I was like, holy shit, <gasps> I we have some. Because when I was a sperm donor, we grew up, my my generation is, I grew up in the 70s, free to be you and me. Uh, it's all nurture, especially like my father was a psychologist, my mother was a social worker. It was nurture, which I was cynical about because they weren't great nurturers. But it was like you, if we just, if we educate children properly with love and care, blah, blah they're all going to be fine. And I heard a lot about, you know, Adoptive kids looking for their birth mother, never birth father, because you thought it was the nurture, it was because they were in that womb, right? Not true. Wow It turns out that the father's genes are just as important as the mother's genes, and I became aware of that, and that also those children need a connection to their biological. It, it's the same thing as the, the trauma of like being told, "Oh, your birth parents don't matter." but internally, you know, they do, or you weren't even told you're adopted, especially you're not told you had a sperm donor parent, right? You, your body knows there's something that's not connected. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right?
1: And so I started a long project about that. And I have all these characters I followed for years. But three years ago now, almost four years ago, um, I was actually in the emergency room with my mom. She had pneumonia and I didn't know what was happening. I got a text from my cousin saying, hey, I just got off the phone with your daughter, Holly. Do you remember you were a sperm donor?
0: Oh, my God.
1: And I was like, oh, my God, that's her grandmother that's dying right there. But I texted her and said, I can't talk to you tonight because I'm in the emergency room, but I'll call you tomorrow. So I called her the next day. Three weeks later, we met. And. um
0: Oh, my God. There's
1: no way I wasn't her father. <laughs> you know? Oh, I was my like,
0: God.
1: Oh. She is now my best friend. Oh. And. um she is so much like my mother, who she didn't get to meet unfortunately. Oh, but it just tells you so much because we—I—I I didn't nurture her.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So much in your genes. She yeah. had a
1: very difficult kind of childhood. Her mom was a little bit um, difficult, but also awesome person. But it was very—it was very fraught. And um, she's the first person in her family to go to college. So when she met me, she was like, "Oh, now some of this makes sense." She just got her PhD. She's already got a job at like a, a tenure track job. I mean, she's just like driven. Like my mom, my mom was a pioneer of social work, so she's now a pioneer. She's definitely a pioneer in the field of like um, climate communication and planning.
0: Wow, Michael, that is incredible.
1: Right, and so it, there is so that it is a continuation. As that movie gets made, it, which you know it's a long process. Part is I didn't film with her at all because I knew that the the camera would interrupt the process of getting yeah, for so sure. now I think we're ready to do that but um it's really wild just how much and also like I have my older daughter and her are so similar and wow we didn't have any siblings and my, t- my daughter never met anybody like her and so they're best friends
0: Aww. and it's been really
1: incredible for my my 20 year old to meet her 30 year old sister you know
0: that is f- incredible Thank you for sharing that. That is incredible. That is incredible. Okay. Well, I can't wait for this movie. I can't wait to share this story with our audience. I can't wait to just continue to watch the amazing things you put into the world. So tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more.
1: Yeah. Well, our website is rumor.com, R-U-M-U-R.com. And our most, you know, after... All the Rage, the next big project we worked on was this film about, or a a series that's on ESPN Plus about the Savannah Bananas. And the reason it's actually really great because what we tend to do as filmmakers is we follow people who are pushing against systems. And, you know, as I said, I was always kind of, I was always against systems. And my dad was very cynical as well, but like he wanted me to go into a system because the system was safety and I was never able to. So all of our films follow people fighting against some I mean, it's the hero's journey, every one of them. Our first film is Horns and Halos about a guy, a, a punk rock publisher trying to republish a discredited biography of George Bush. Our second documentary was about some cops searching for a serial rapist. And our third one is about a guy fighting against the Atlantic Yards Project in Brooklyn, which is where the Brooklyn Nets Stadium is. They built it on top of his house, which was taken by him in a domain. Um, and, you know, then we have all the rage. So it's always these people fighting against expectation, and they're always going to face all this resistance. The truth is, truth will rise, and so when there are, you know, difficult things, we need people to resist power. The key is figuring out how to kind of resist power without creating. Uh, negative, neg- it's hard, and that's that's what the goal is. I think is how do you notice there's something wrong, and then don't fall into your trauma and go like that, but instead think, okay, what's wrong here, and how will I change this. Again, sometimes we're going to resist when, in fact, oh, like we're going to try and push against a wall without looking around the corner and saying, oh, there's a door.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I guess that's the key is figuring out, is there a door somewhere instead of how do I knock down this wall?
0: I love it. Okay. Well, I'm so honored to have had you on this show, and I'm so proud of you for just challenging resistance, putting yourself out there in the world and showing up with your story. Thank you so much for being a part of the self-healing series. And we'll, we'll put all the links to everything that you mentioned in the show notes too. Thank you, Michael, so much.
1: Right. And, and here's the really amazing thing, uh, just as the last little moment, but like, here we are, right? Your podcast is the self-healing podcast. You're not alone. Yeah. There's a lot of people like you, and that is not to diminish it, it's to actually lift it up and say, you guys are all connecting and everything you're saying, the, we need, it can't be just one person saying it. It's got to yeah. be an army of people saying, hey, this is normal, this is necessary, this is expected, let's shift the culture. And, and we are reaching, reaching the tipping point, right? Where your voices are spreading, and then you're connecting. And it, now it's, it's really a shift that's taking place.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for being here and for all of your wisdom. Like for real, thank you for just being you and being a light in this world and connecting us all. Thank you. Well,
1: thank you. I appreciate the time and uh, giving this platform to talk about these things.
0: Yes, we'll have you back at some point. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Improve it, peeps. This story continued to divulge, as and Michael and I conversed, and I hope that, in sharing these part one and part two episodes, that you were moved in some way that you thought about your life differently, you thought about some of the pain that you might be carrying with you, and how that translates into either physical pain mental health issues, anxiety, and how that connects you to the work that you do and to the people that you lead and to the people that you care for. And I want you to take today's episode, marinate on it, journal about it, share it with a friend. Because the purpose of today's show is to make you feel like you are not alone. The purpose of this series is to make you understand that healing can be possible with the power of your own mind, that what we put into our brain tells our bodies a story. And if you can heal your mind, you can heal your body, and then you can help others heal. The energy that you put into you is a direct correlation that you're going to give out to the world. And as the leaders, parents, friends, siblings, partners that you are, it is your responsibility to put the right energy, the right effort, and the proper amount of time into yourself. There is no other time. The time is now. I'm holding such space for you. I am caring for you. I am sending so much light and love to you. I hope that this self healing series has guided you to your own inner greatness, your own inner light. We're going to dive into one more self healing series episode next week. And this one's a much lighter one. So get ready. And then we're going to talk in February all about self love because. In order to show up for the people in our lives, we need to show up for ourselves first. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care starts now. I am so proud of you. And I want you to keep improving. I want you to fail. I want you to fail, 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 and fail fast and fail forward. And I want you to remember that this world needs that very, very special it that only you can bring. I'll see you here next week. Thanks for going on this journey. Bye. Hey friend, did you enjoy today's show? If so, head on over to iTunes to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, did I mention that when you leave a five-star review of the Improve It podcast, an actual team of humans does a happy dance? Mm-hmm. That's right. So leave a review for us on iTunes, screenshot it, and send me an email at info at I'll send you a personalized video back as a thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Improve It, peeps. I'll see you next Wednesday.